listening to New Life the Fort, where the person of Jesus Christ and His love for you are shared. Please go with me to John chapter 4. I want to share some thoughts with you from John chapter 4. I, you know what? I got some tattoos since I've been here in, in the Philippines. And uh, praise God. I'm so excited about it. I mean, I'm, I feel like uh, I'm, I'm already a manly man. You know, I'm secure in my manhood. But, but when I've walked around in my hotel room with, like, my tank top on or my shirt off or something, and I pass by the mirror and I see that tattoo, it makes my guns look bigger. And I just, I just appreciate that so much. And um, I got my wife's name tattooed on my arm. Oh, yeah. And so she's going to be happy when I go home now. Here's a secret. And don't, please don't call her and tell her. Okay? Don't, don't call her and tell her. But she doesn't know I have a tattoo. And then I got another tattoo over here in Hebrew because of Dr. Edwin. He, he, he blessed me, and he interpreted a scripture for me. And I ha- it says, it says um, what does it say? <laughs> God is my strength. Pastora knows. And so, and so she saw it, too. And so I knew, it, I knew it said something about the Lord, and it, and it was good. And so anyway, and you guys are probably thinking, why is this man up here on our pulpit? It's going to be okay. Just give me a couple of minutes here to, 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 to find myself. <laughs> and so I actually, you know what? Um, it's a little warm in here for me, but you know what? I like it warm. I like it warm because it just it gets my blood flowing. And, and, I, and I like that. But I, what I'm probably going to do is I'm probably going to take this hat off. Is that, will that be okay for you guys if I take my hat off? And so I want you guys, you know, I just got, I cut my hair before I came here. You know, you've probably never seen a great haircut like this before. It's pretty stylish, so I'm going to take my hat off. woo Yeah. 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 I love it when I'm outside and I'm running or I'm riding my bike or something in this the wind just takes it away. <laughs> Hallelujah. It just happens like that. So anyway, we're here in John chapter 4. We're going to begin reading in verse number 3 momentarily. But I have to ask you guys a question. How many of you don't have a cell phone? <laughs> okay, that's what I thought. Everybody has a cell phone. And does anybody on the front row have a cell phone with them? Okay. Okay. Well, Pastora's taking so much time to go in her purse to get it. I wanted to use hers. Thank you, though, Pastor Edwin. Well, well, because you were, dig- you were digging in your purse. And so I didn't want you to go through all that effort for anything. But there's times when I've been on my phone. I don't know if this has happened to you. This happened to me several times. I'm talking and I'm walking. And I actually could be in the mall and I'm talking and I'm walking on the phone and just talking. Then all of a sudden, my phone rings. And, and. And I go, hello. And, and then they, the person who I was talking to is calling me. And the reason they're doing that is because at some point the call dropped. And I didn't know it. And I got disconnected. So I'm going, yeah. And, and the Lord is doing this. And the Lord is doing that. And, and God is doing this. Or, you know, this has happened. This has happened. And they didn't hear a word I said because of something called disconnection. So, what we need to do today is we're going to look in a passage of Scripture where there was a lady, and she had a disconnection with people for the most part, and she had more than that, a disconnection with God. 
Now, the key thing is for us, and I want to just talk to you a little bit about this because this is a great church, and I know there's a lot of young people in here, and I, that's right, come on. Hey, I'm one of them. I'm one of you. We're together. So anyway, um, and, and I know everybody is into social media, and social media has great, great benefits in it. However, sometimes we can rely too much on social media and not enough on just basic interpersonal relationship and connection. And so, because when God created the heavens and the earth to see in all this within them and said, let there be light, there wasn't an iPhone. <laughs> and he didn't have an iPad mini. And he didn't have an Android system. So he kind of was working things pretty good without it. I mean, these, these things are great. I'm going to preach to you from an iPad. But the thing that we all need as individuals is connection. And if we don't have it, there's going to be something greatly, desperately lacking in our lives. So we're going to watch the master show us how to connect with someone who's disconnected. Because you have people in your life who are disconnected with God, and God wants you to be the instrument and the vessel to connect with them, to connect them to him. Okay, are you with me so far? So we're going to learn some things. So let's read in John chapter 4, beginning at verse number 3. It says, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee, but he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. From these verses that we just read, we're going to learn about the first principle Jesus wants us to embrace tonight. And that is something called the imperative to connect. The imperative to connect. Say it with me, please. Fourth floor, say it. Okay, good. Thank you. It's called the imperative to connect. Now, if you look with me in the fourth verse, it says he needed to go through Samaria. The old King James version of the Bible said he must needs go through Samaria. See, there's an imperative there. An imperative is something wherein you do not have too much of an option at all. It's something that you must do. It's not something that you just want to do. You feel a a must. You feel a prompting. You feel an urge to do this. And it's very strong within you. And Jesus had an imperative to connect with this woman who was at the well. Now, there are various reasons that we could ascertain as to what this, what this really you know, means from an interpretation standpoint. Because it was a shortcut geographically in terms of where he was going. He went this way. But I believe more importantly that the Holy Spirit was on the inside of him leading him and guiding him to go this way. Because he knew there was going to be a woman there who's disconnected from God. So he needed to go through Samaria. And it really so much wasn't even for him. It was more so for her. But he was led there by the Holy Spirit. And it's so important for you and I to realize that the Holy Spirit wants to lead and guide us. He wants to lead and guide us into blessings. 
But oftentimes, he just simply wants to lead and guide us to people who do not know who Jesus Christ is. Because the most important thing you and I could ever do here on planet Earth is to lead someone else to Jesus Christ. Because then we know where they're going to go for eternity. And that is very, very important. I'm up here sweating like T.D. Jakes. Get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Get, 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 get ready, get ready, get ready. God's about to bless you. I, I said God's about to bless you. Raise your hands in this house and shout hallelujah. Okay, now that was just my little TDJ thing. I'm a little bit slimmer than him because I do P90X. And so anyway, but it's okay. Here we go. You see, it's important that we connect. Everybody say connect. connect. We've got to Connect. See, God created us in his image and according to his likeness, according to Genesis chapter 1. And we were made social beings. We're not supposed to be alone. And the greatest kind of loneliness is when you're around people and yet you still feel alone. So we have to do something to connect with people. So we have to work at this thing called connection. Connection. In World War II, the enemies wanted to try to do something to find out how, can they, how they can extract top secret information from soldiers they would capture. So one of the things they decided to do was put them in solitary confinement. When they would put them in solitary confinement, it wasn't too long from then that they were able to break that soldier down and get the information they needed. Why? The reason why is because the soldier could not stand the isolation that he was in for that period of time. Why? Because we were not meant to be isolated. And when we isolate ourselves, we do ourselves a great disservice. We do people around us a tremendous harm because we were made as social beings. We are supposed to be connected. It was God who created everything in the world. And every time God created something, God said it was good. Then in Genesis 2, when God finally created, after God created Adam, and then all of a sudden Adam looked around, he saw every animal that had a mate, and then God said, not Adam, God said, not even Adam said, with a pure conscience that was without sin, God said, it is not good that man should be alone. Two are better than one. And so we cannot... Walk through life by ourselves, for we were not meant to walk this journey of faith alone. So it's important that we respond to the imperative to connect. Now, the second thing Jesus is going to teach us is found in verse 7 and 8. Please look there with me. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The second point we're going to learn is called the initiative to connect. The initiative to connect. Say it with me. See, it's vitally important that we obey and follow Jesus in this. Jesus didn't wait for her to say something to him. How many times do we go into a place and we're waiting for someone to say something to us before we reach out and we'll say something to them? Am I helping you so far? 
See, we have to show the initiative to connect. I think I might like that fan on me just a little bit. I'm melting. I'm melting. Not full. Maybe on low. Low will be good. Thank you, my brother. I appreciate that. Oh. It's making my hair blow. (laughs) Sometimes I just can't even stand myself. (laughs) Here's the thing. So we're talking about the initiative to connect. Say it. It's important. Jesus, the son of God, could have walked up in that situation or had the mindset, I'm the son of God. She needs to come over here and give me my props. I create the heavens and the earth. I create the ground she walks on, the air she's breathing, and the sun that's shining on her head. She needs to come talk to me, but he didn't have that mindset. Jesus said, I'm going to say something first to her because I'm going to initiate a connection. I'm not going to wait and stand back and hope and pray she says something to me. Then I'm going to say what God wants me to say. No, I'm going to start off first. Give me a drink. I was talking to a lady one time. She came up to me and she said, Pastor, um, can I talk to you? I said, sure, you can talk to me. I said, what's going on? She says, I don't have any friends. I said, really? Good. Talk to me some more. What's happening? Um, why don't you have any friends? I, I, I don't know. I just don't have any friends. I said, well, how long have you been in church? I've been in church 10 years. I said, you've been in church 10 years. You don't have any friends. She said, no. I said, no problem. I got the answer for you. Proverbs 18.24 says, he who has friends must first, say first, fourth floor, say first, must first show himself friendly. See, if you want friends, it's not about people coming to you. It's about you reaching out your hand and saying, hi, how you doing? My name is, is Edwin. My name is Cheryl. My name is Catherine. Whatever your name is, you start the conversation. You initiate it. And, and, and I work with young people and I coach young people and mentor young people and, and do all these other things with young people and millennials and stuff. And one of the things that I've encouraged them in and trying to talk to them about is the fact that you guys have to work on your interpersonal skills because you can't express everything through social media. That was time for amen. Amen. Say amen at least to make me feel better. (laughs) Thank you. So it's about initiating that connection. Now, what can help you? Well, let's follow Jesus' lead. See, connect by what you have in common. He was at the well. She was at the well. What's inside the well? Water. Oh, so since water's inside the well... Give me a drink. There are things that you have in common with people. One time I was sitting out in front of my home, and I was just sitting out there. I have a little fence out there, and I was just sitting out there, and it was a beautiful sunny day, and the wind was blowing, and I was just out there just kicking back, and a guy was walking down the street, and he had a dog, and I began to engage him. I initiated some connection with him, and, you know, I started talking to him about his dog because he was walking his dog, but I have a dog, 
And so we started talking about dogs. See, always look for something common that you have with somebody because that subject or topic is going to be your entryway. Now, another motivation for me getting a a tattoo (laughs) was that it's going to become a conversational piece. That's why I got that God is my strength in Hebrew. So when I wear my shirt and all these young guys walking around here who have sleeves, and everything else, and they have tattoos on their eyelids and tattoos on their ears and all this stuff. I'm going to go, oh, man, that's cool. You're going to go, yeah, you like that? I'm going to go, man, check this out. Bam! <laughs> Bam! How you like me now? And so I'm going to talk to them now, and they're going to go like, oh, dude, that's really cool. I'm going to go, yeah, 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 it is cool, man. Let's talk about our tats. We both got ink. We're in the fraternity of the inked. Okay, let's talk about it. So now I can talk to everybody on planet Earth who has a tattoo. Why? Because I have one too. So now I've used this as a point of entry into connection with other people who I might not be able to deeply connect with otherwise. See, develop interests in your life, then you become interesting. And when you're interesting, then people want to talk to you. Man, I'm dropping. I, that was a bomb right there. I just lofted that up there and just went. Did you guys get that? Hallelujah. So connect with people on things that are in common. Also, connect by asking questions. Ask people questions. You, you want to know the sweetest sound in someone's ear? Okay, let me just help you out here. When I ask you guys a question... It's okay for you guys to answer. If you don't know, just say, I don't know. And if you think you know, then just say it. We're all family. It's all good. Do you know the sweetest sound in somebody's ears? Their name. On three, everybody say your name. One, two, three. That didn't sound as good as I thought it was going to sound. <laughs> but people love their name. And so I, 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 I go, hey, man, how's it going? What's your name? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, I'm actually asking your name, Pastor. I'm actually asking. Josel, hey, Josel, how's it going? Now, watch this. What's your name? Joselle. Hey, Josel, nice to meet you. Josel, where do you live? Oh, Josel, were you born in this area? Oh, that's great, Josel. I said his name three times within less than a minute, so now I'm going to remember it. And I'm going to keep calling him by his name, and he's going to like me because I remembered his name. So now we have a connection. So it's important. So ask people questions so you get information about them. See, people don't mind talking about themselves because they love themselves. So if somebody has a new hairdo, like mine, similarly to this, or they have new earrings, or they got some new Michael Jordan shoes or something, talk to them about that because you don't need to tell them everything you've done. And I know you have a long list of accolades and you have all these degrees and all these special projects and stuff you've accomplished, but talk to them about them. Because when you talk to them about them, then they feel like you're interested. And that will open up their heart so you can connect. Can somebody say amen? Now, we have the third thing Jesus wants to teach us. And it's going to be found in verse number 9. 
John 4, verse 9. Everybody there? It says, And the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Now, if you were there and you could imagine how she said this, she probably said this with some attitude. How can you, being a Jew, ask a drink of water from me, a Samaritan woman? Now, that's how I picture that went down. Now, you guys read your Bible. You just figure she went, how can you, being a Jew, ask a drink of water from me, a Samaritan woman? It didn't go down like that. I'm telling you, it went down the first way. So in this ninth verse, we find something that Jesus is trying to teach us. What do we find? We find there are interferences to connection. There are interferences to connecting with people. There are three we see here. The first one is the ethnic interference. See, Jews and Samaritans did not get along. As a matter of fact, Jews would call Samaritans dogs. Now, where I come from, those are fighting words. You know, if you don't like me, that's one thing. You call me a dog. It's going to go down. Don't nobody call me a dog. But Jews would call Samaritans dogs. And when she said that we don't have any dealings with Jews, literally what she meant was, Okay, listen, let's back up. Let's get clarity. Are, we, are, are you with me? When she said Jews have no dealings with Samaritans, this is what she meant when she said that. See, Jesus had just said, give me a drink. So she responded by saying, we don't have any dealings with Samaritans. See, Jews, what she meant by that is Jews and Samaritans do not drink off the same cups. And we don't eat Off the same utensils. A Jewish rabbi would die of thirst before he would drink off a vessel that a Samaritan had drunk on. So therefore, she was letting this ethnic thing get in the way of what Jesus was trying to do. So it's important that we not allow the ethnic interference to block us from connecting. Then there is a social interference. The social prejudices of that day forbade women speaking to men in public. That was not allowed. But Jesus did not allow that particular social custom to stop him from connecting with this woman who was disconnected. He could have been more concerned about what if somebody walks by and sees me? What if TMZ shows up? What if somebody snaps a photo and uploads that thing and that thing goes viral? Jesus, breaking social rank, talking to a woman. Is he really God's son? I mean, a lot of stuff could have went wrong here, but Jesus did not allow that to stop him from devaluing this soul that was hurting, that was in pain, and that was lost. So he kept on moving forward. He did not allow that to happen. Plus, also socially, it was known and understood 
that if a woman was to go to the well, that woman was going to the well to try to find her a husband. So she was not a woman of regard in the community, nor was she a woman of high respect and esteem. So just Jesus being seen with her at the well was no good for him. So socially, there is a lot of stuff going on here that could have interfered with Jesus going forward and connecting with her. But he did not allow that to stop him. There is a point. And I was walking with the Lord, and I knew some, some guys who were having issues with their sexuality. They were gay. And there was a place where they would go to when they became sick. And it was like a hospice place. And the Lord just put it on my heart because I had some relationship with them, ministering to them, befriending them and loving them, to go there and minister to these men. So I walk in there, and it's like walking skeletons because the disease had begun to deteriorate their very body and their eyes would be bulging and they could barely move and it reeked of urine throughout the whole place. Socially, it wasn't cool for me to be there and go there. But they needed connection with God before they crossed over. And so there's the religious interference Samaritans believe something a little bit different than Jews. They believe the following. They embraced the one belief in God that there was one prophet. His name was Moses. They believed in one holy book, the Pentateuch, the five books of Moses. They also believed in one holy place, which was Mount Gerizim. And they also believed that there was a, ju- a judgment and a reward that was forthcoming. But see, Jesus didn't even allow that to stop him. There were differences, but he didn't allow that to stop him. Sometimes what happens when somebody believes something different than we do as believers, it can cause arguments. And we don't want to argue with people over God. We want to help people. We don't want to get into big, you know, blowout arguments with people over Scripture. So Jesus kind of shows us what to do. What does Jesus show us what to do? First thing he shows us is you need to listen and just see where people are. Find out what they believe. Because in most cases, there is a little bit of truth in what they believe, and that's why they believe it. But then there's also other things that are wrong. But if you don't listen to them, you can't find out what their basis of belief is in faith. So you need to, number one, listen and locate them. Number two, then you just need to share the simple truth of the gospel with them and talk about salvation. That's what Jesus did. She had her belief about Samaritans, but you Jews, you know, have something different in mind. But Jesus went ahead, let her talk, but then he showed her that, hey, God is spirit. And those who worship him will worship him or must worship him in spirit and in truth. 
There were two missionaries who went to China. And they were having a very difficult time trying to preach the gospel in China. They just, they just weren't finding that breakthrough that they had wanted and been praying for. Now, in the English language, in our alphabet, we have 26 letters. In Chinese, they have these things that are, um, that are called, what are they called? They're called, they're called radicals. And that's their alphabet. They have like 214 radicals. And these 214 radicals make up 30 to 50,000 what's called ideographs. And it's like their words. So these guys were going through these ideographs to find different words, and they found the word righteous. So in the Chinese language, unlike ours, it's not left to right, it's vertical, top to bottom. So on the top um, ideograph, it said it had, it had a Chinese symbol for a picture of a lamb. On the lower symbol, it was actually the pronoun I. Like, when I say I want to go somewhere, it was a pronoun, I. And the message was this, I, under the Lamb, am righteous. I, under the Lamb, am righteous. So they found something that that people could believe and they could find an entryway now into their hearts because they found something in their language that the people would know and listen to and respect. Isn't that powerful? So when you listen to people, there's normally something you can find that you can connect the gospel to and then enlarge the gospel in that particular conversation. Fourth thing Jesus teaches us is going to be found in verse 16 through 18. You guys still with me? Are you getting something out of this? Verse 16, Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have well said I have no husband, for you have had five husbands. Remember I said that women at the well were there looking for a husband? She was going to the well a lot. You've had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband, and that you spoke truly. The fourth thing Jesus teaches us about connecting with people is the insight to connect. The insight to connect. Say it with me, please. Thank you. The insight to connect. See, Jesus knew something about this woman's life that she did not tell him. That no one else had told him because he had just met her. So how did he know? He knew because God gave him insight. And if you endeavor to reach out and to connect with people, God wants to give you that same kind of insight. If you read in your Bible, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it talks about in verses 1 through about 11, nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. They're also referenced as nine manifestations. There are three of them that are called gifts of revelation or gifts that reveal something. And the one that Jesus was, was operating in right now is called the word of knowledge. The word of knowledge. So he knew something about her past and her present that she did not tell him. That's something that God gave him. It was an insight. And sometimes as you're talking to people and you're connecting with them, the Holy Spirit can drop something on the inside of you to where you know something about that person without them ever having told you. And we want to desire that. 
We want God to do that. We want to ask God for that. Why? Because we need the supernatural because we serve a supernatural God and we're going against supernatural forces in people's lives and we need the power of God to overcome those things. So God can show you something. It may be as simple as this. You're talking to somebody. You're talking to somebody. All of a sudden you get a thought. Here's the thought. It's in the form of a question. Has somebody in your family been in the hospital lately? They go, well, actually, yeah. It's my dad. Why'd you ask me that? Well, I was just standing here, and as we were talking, I just, I felt like the Lord put something in my heart for you because he wants me to pray for you and your family and your dad. Now that person has a whole new mindset when they talk to you because you just went deep into their life and you you touched something that was meaningful to them. So you're talking to somebody, and this actually happened to a member at our church. He was at the beach. He's out there passing out tracks and just out there playing his guitar. And this kind of, this individual right here, and I'm not talking about another brother in the Lord, but this guy is kind of unique, if you understand what I mean. He's just, some people are just very eccentric in their personality. And he's just one of those eccentric guys. Brother in the Lord, love him. It's all good, but he's just eccentric. But he's at the beach, and he's out here, you know, trying to witness for Jesus. So he starts talking to this young girl, and she's, you know, a very good-looking young lady, and he's just telling her about Jesus. And then all of a sudden he says, are you going to commit suicide? And she broke down and started bawling like a baby because she was there to take her life. He brought her to church. She responded to the altar call. She got born again. The insight to connect. God will give it to you. And then you say, well, what if that doesn't happen? Here's, here's what you just remember about that. It, does, it may not happen every time. But if you desire it and ask God for it, it will. But beyond that, remember this. People will open up to you when they sense from you that you genuinely care about them. Now, if you're there and it it doesn't seem like it's sincere, it doesn't seem like it's real, they're not going to probably tell you too much about anything. But if you seem like you genuinely care about them, we sung about it earlier, about love. If you seem like there's love in your heart and you're a genuine person and you're not trying to play games with them, they probably just may open up to you and tell you things that they probably have not told their family. People come up to my wife all the time and just are pouring out their heart. And she doesn't even know these people hardly. They just do it. Because they sense that from her that she cares. The fifth and final point Jesus teaches us is going to be found in verse 28 through 30. It says, the woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city, and said to the men, she said to the men, because she didn't have any women who were her friends, come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. The fifth and final point is the invitation to connect. 
the invitation to connect. Please say it with me. The invitation to connect. You see, here's the sequence. Jesus connected to this woman. Now this woman who came to get some water all of a sudden left her water pot. Because someone had genuinely connected with her and a deeper thirst was satisfied that was deeper than the physical thirst. So she left her water pot and she ran and this was so life-giving, so energizing that she told all the men who knew her well in the city. And she, who was disconnected, had a connection experience and now went to connect with those whom she had a connection with and they, because of her connection to him, went back to connect with him. And that, my friend, is kind of how it works. It's one life at a time. It's one life being transformed who others can see and hear about and know, and then it gets them thirsty for what you have. And then they get an invitation. She went to give them an invitation. She didn't come say, he's a prophet. You know, could this, you know, just be the Christ? She just, she said that, but there was some interest there. She had been changed. She had been touched. Jesus had done something wonderful that no one had ever done. See, she had had a lot of men, but she never had the man. And people have a lot of different things in their life, but they don't have the genuine They don't have the real. They don't have the supreme. They don't have him. And when they taste him, they'll see he's good. Now, it's important to give that invitation. There is, I used to do a lot of street witnessing, more so than I do, you know, in these present days now. I'd go out on the street. I love the street because you get to mix it up out there with people. It's great. Go out on the street, preach about Jesus. People would get saved. Go preach to gang members, Crips and Bloods in my old neighborhood. They would get saved. And people were getting saved like just like, it was almost like magic or something. It wasn't magic because there's no magic in the kingdom. But it was like that because it just started, it was happening very frequently. But I had a point where I said I have to stop. And the reason I had to stop is because I felt bad about telling people about the Lord and they were responding but there wasn't the connection to the house of God and though I tried it just wasn't as effective at that point in time so I read the words from the great missionary evangelist who's now in heaven Dr. T.L. Osborne he said it's not enough to witness or to win souls. They should be influenced into a church where a faithful pastor can help them to grow in Bible faith and in God's grace. Stamp the literature you distribute with your church address. Welcome new contacts to your congregation. Meet them there. Introduce them to Christians and to your pastor. Then visit them. See that they receive good literature. Remind them of church meetings. Do not stop until they have been added to your church. Invite 
people. Reach out to people and stay with it. My traveling companion, Brother Chris Slack, there is a man who came to him six weeks in a row when he was lost, when he was hooked on cocaine, when he was in drugs, when he was doing all kinds of other things that were not legal. But this man would not give up. He would not quit until this man gave his life and heart to Jesus. We just got to continue to reach out to people and give them an invitation. You can find them on street corners, in private homes. They're waiting for your invitation. They're in stores. They're in slums. They're at bedsides. They're at marketplaces. They're at beaches. They're in malls. They're in jails. They're in prisons. They're in detention centers. Some are in your neighborhood. Some are in your family. They're in hospitals, in resort areas, at fairs, in clubs, in parks, at entertainment centers. They're there by the millions, the unconverted and the unchurched. They're lonely, unloved, and they're ignored. They're unwanted, frightened, insecure, and angry. And they're waiting. What are they waiting for? They're waiting for a kind voice. They're waiting for a friendly touch. They're waiting for somebody to extend an invitation. My question is, will that someone be you? I want to close with this. Jesus was en route to someplace else. But he had the need to change direction because of one person. You may feel like you're just sometimes a number or a face in the crowd. You're not. Jesus will visit you because he loves you. There's nothing he would not do for you. And he's reaching out to you right now. If you're hurt, if your heart is broken, if you're in pain, if you're sick, if you're confused and you haven't told anybody, if you've been suffering with slight depression and you haven't told anybody, if things are going on in your body and you're scared, Jesus is coming to you. And he wants to touch you right now. He wants to heal you. There's nothing too hard for him. Bow your heads and close your eyes. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for my brothers and sisters and that anointing that heals the brokenhearted and binds up all of their wounds. Thank you for the release of that anointing now upon each one whose hopes have been dashed, whose dreams have been shattered, whose aspirations seem to be futile. We're feeling a little bit dry, a little bit desperate, on the brink of compromise. Let your spirit bring comfort and strength and peace and healing, deep healing, deep healing from the abuse, 
from the emotional abuse, from the physical abuse. You're not to blame for what happened. Be free. No need to carry that guilt. No need to live a guarded life. Jesus is healing and touching you right where you sit even now. And some of you are feeling, literally feeling, the warmth of the Spirit of God upon you. That's Him. If you're sick in this place, just lift one hand up to heaven right now. For it is where your help comes from, Father. Stretch down your hand to heal. The signs and wonders may be done in the name of your holy servant, the Lord Jesus. Heal every sickness. Cure every disease. Make them whole. Because of the stripes laid upon his back. In Jesus' name. With heads bowed and eyes still closed. Jesus died on a cross. Isaiah 52 tells us he was so disfigured he was unrecognizable. He was beaten so bad he didn't look like a human being. They shamed him. They stripped him. And he bled. He was suffocating on that cross. But that's not the end of the story. He was taken down from that cross and laid in Joseph's new tomb. And from there, when women went at the beginning of the week to go and visit his tomb, there was an angel who was in there and he said, Why are you seeking the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. And Jesus Christ is alive and well today. He is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And there is nothing that he would not do to help you demonstrate his love towards you, his mercy, and his great compassion. He wants to save you, and he wants to have a relationship with you. But you have to respond. A relationship is always a duality. It cannot be one-sided. Although he's inviting you to come, you have to respond by choice. He wants to forgive you. He paid for your forgiveness. He wants to cleanse you and make you new. He wants to give you a brand new heart and give you a brand new start. He is everything you've ever wanted and so much more. He's the one who will never leave you nor forsake you. He will walk with you and talk with you and be your very best friend. He'll be to you what no other person could ever be to you. He'll be there when you feel alone. He'll be there when you don't know what the direction is. And he will guide you for he is the good shepherd. And my friend, if I was on a television camera and I had 30 seconds to talk to the world and give them one message before I would die and go to heaven I would tell them that Jesus 
loves you and wants to save you. Will you accept him today? And that is what I will tell you before this service is over. If you want to pray a very short and sincere and simple prayer to invite the lovely Lord Jesus into your heart, I want you to raise your hand up high when you hear me say three. One, two, three. Raise your hand up high. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be ashamed. God bless you. God bless you. All of you have faith and you have courage. I'm so proud of you. And more than that, God is pleased and so proud of you. Heaven is having a party because of what you are deciding to do today. I'm going to just pray a prayer and I'm going to lead you in a prayer. I want you to say these words out loud after me. Say, dear God, I come to you today with all my heart. I believe. I believe that you love me and that you sent Jesus to die in my place on the cross. I believe that his blood was shed so my sins could be cleansed and forgiven. Jesus, I confess you as my Lord. My life is now in your hands. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for giving me a new heart making me a new creation. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit our website at newlifethefort.com.